0: Welcome to Data Myths Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Melinda Gagnon.
1: So, a little about us. I'm interested in how tech helps us improve our lives. I have 20 years experience in digital communications, I'm an ex-Googler, and now help launch new companies and products.
0: And I've spent 20 plus years evangelizing tech at some of the world's largest companies. Whether you're a data file or a dataphobe, we have something for you on this podcast. So, get ready. Let's go.
1: Today, we're going to mix things up and talk about blockchain and cryptocurrency and bring in two experts from a little place called Liechtenstein because they are doing some really advanced things in the space. We're talking with two attorneys from Nagel Attorneys at Law, based in Liechtenstein. Their founder and managing partner, Thomas Nagel, is one of our guests today. He is a Liechtenstein attorney and a software developer. He specializes in blockchain and distributed ledger technologies, telecom, and the internet. He teaches at the University of Liechtenstein, and he also co drafted the Liechtenstein blockchain law. We're also talking with Alexis Inno. She's originally from Alabama and is licensed to practice law in the US. She's working at the firm in their Department of IT and Capital Markets Law and specializes in blockchain and distributed ledger technologies. She's interested in the practical applications for moving towards decentralization and increased personal autonomy. Hi, Thomas and Alexis. Thanks so much for joining us. We're so glad to have you on the podcast.
2: Thank you for inviting us. It's our pleasure to be here.
1: Absolutely. Yes, yes. And uh, we have Brian here as well, and we're looking forward to having a chat around what you do around Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and really to kind of break that down in a way that we can all understand, well, what is it? And what are some of the, the big trends that are that are happening now? And I have to, of course, throw in the fun fact that you are talking with us today and, and work in Liechtenstein. So I think to just start there, where is Liechtenstein for those of us who may not know where it is? And if you could just tell us a little bit about where you are and, and what it's like.
3: Okay, yeah, perfect. Um, so that's actually the biggest question that I get is um how does a girl <laughs> from Alabama end up in Liechtenstein? And it's actually a European microstate that's tucked between Switzerland and Austria. So everybody at home I think thinks I live in Germany, but we actually don't even border Germany here. So but then southern Germany is about 30 minutes away by car.
1: And you do speak. German, there, right? German and, and English, or primarily German?
3: Uh, the official language of Liechtenstein is German. Okay,
1: very, very cool. So, so you're both experts in the crypto space, and and that's why we're we're so excited to to be able to talk with you today. And what really brought you both to the space? I mean, it's such an emerging new space. If you could tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what drew you to this space, what you find interesting about it, and, and how you started to, to practice law in this area.
3: So I kind of got drawn to the space more because of the tenets of decentralization. So more of how uh, cryptocurrencies and then blockchain-based technologies can put power back in the hands of the individual person. So it was just kind of a natural gravitation in that respect. And I kind of ended up in more of the legal side.
1: Cool, cool. Thomas, what about you? Because your, your career really, you started in, you know, a really technical field. And how did your career kind of navigate to this point?
2: Yeah, actually, I, I used to code software for about 10 years. I mean, I still do on, on smaller projects whenever I have something which I can fix myself uh, much faster than if I outsource it. Uh, but um that was like I, I was attracted i think it was almost 2011 for the first time but just being um like a tech enthusiast and got uh, got the info about yeah there's this uh, new way of money the, the internet money bitcoin and um i was i was fascinated about that that year and uh, 2000 uh it was 2014 actually when i uh, started uh, to think about writing my phd in that area and uh, when I opened up the, uh, the law firm in 2015, I mean, we immediately got um, the first blockchain related clients. And uh, from like from that point on, like it is my daily work and our whole firm is now dedicated uh, mostly to blockchain related issues. That's,
0: awesome. That's fantastic. I've actually been a, a Bitcoin miner and Litecoin miner since the the very beginning. So uh definitely interesting to me. <laughs> I,
2: I mean, if, if, if you did that in the beginning, that's fine. I, I did that. Uh, I mean, I start. I, I did it, I think it was 12 or something. And then I lost everything because I lost the keys. <laughs> like I made all of the mistakes you could do in the beginning. But it was, a, a, I think, a, a good learning curve, if you want to call it that way.
0: <laughs> nice. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? And, you know, many of the folks that listen and tune in uh, to us, are on both sides of the spectrum. Some of them uh, are writing algorithms and understand everything from hash tables to that. And then the other side is, um, you know, no offense to my parents, hey, what the heck is a Bitcoin? And uh, should I have some somewhere?
1: Yeah. And is blockchain and Bitcoin the same thing? Yeah, it's, it's almost like, where do you start to kind of unravel this? I think that's one of the biggest things that people tend
3: to, I I don't know, biggest misconceptions is that crypto and blockchain are the same thing. I I mean, the other day, we actually had our, our one year anniversary of the House of Blockchain here in Liechtenstein. And then that was one thing that Thomas said when he gave the speech of why we opened the House of Blockchain and things along those lines is, well, we don't want to say that blockchain and distributed ledger technology and Bitcoin are the same thing. But then, hey, that's still a reason to celebrate that Bitcoin broke 8K again.
1: That is big news. Yeah do you wanna do you wanna talk about that and and, and how timely is this conversation? This literally happened what in the last twenty four hours?
2: No, I think that was at the um, uh, the House of Blockchain anniversary or last Friday and uh, was like just part of my speech. Because uh, we celebrated the one year of uh, our House of Blockchain, which is not only a co-working space but a place where people meet and you share thoughts, and that you can like talk not only to the tech side of things but also you can talk to a lawyer. Uh, what does that mean from a regulatory point of view? And I think this whole connection between, or like this this uh, question everybody has in the beginning, is Bitcoin and blockchain the same? Uh, we had that uh, when we started um, to talk with the Liechtenstein government, um, if a regulation uh, is needed or makes sense for Lichtenschein. Uh, and we were quite uh, quite amazed that our financial market authority and our government uh, is uh, does really understand the difference. And uh, back then, already understood that it is just much more as just uh, Bitcoin. And in the end, for me, that's what I always say. Bitcoin is just a proof of concept.
1: So, so to start at the at the beginning, I mean, what is what is blockchain, and then what is cryptocurrency? Let's just start there and then there's so much, of course to dig into.
3: Okay, well, as Thomas said, I think that um, Bitcoin is probably the well, it is the first um, proof of concept with blockchain technology. So uh, what I like to say is that, yeah, Bitcoin's a great use case of how blockchain can be used, but then you can do so many other things with blockchain. Um, Those potential possibilities range from voting, um, blockchain-based voting. You can have different blockchain-based applications. There's a lot of people doing things with supply chain management and tracking of goods. So I, I mean a lot of people say that it's a big m- misconception and that they try to say that blockchain is the solution to all the world's problems, which that's that's not true, but it's a solution to a lot of problems. So that's that's kind of a, a good overview is you just have different applications
1: that you can do with this kind of technology. that that's great. and it, and if we really kind of boil it down, it, so if we think of blockchain, it's this quote unquote distributed ledger, right it's It's tamper resistant. So it, it maintains fidelity in and, and a certain kind of chain of custody, right, as, as information is added. And that really is, is the value of it, right, that there is this, this chain that is, is transparent and secure. And then you have these keys that you mentioned, whether it's a private key or a public key, that can unlock the information in the, in the chain, so to speak,
3: exactly. I mean, I think one of the big innovations with blockchain is that you kind of have this third entry that's there that's both receipt and transaction. And that's something that wasn't necessarily possible before. So people within the blockchain community have to come to a consensus before this transaction can be entered as a block. And then it's immutable in that once that transaction is entered, it can't be modified or deleted.
0: Interesting. And so One of the things that I've always found really interesting is as the problem sets uh, change, right, and and have gotten increasingly more complex, how things like blockchain and Bitcoin, for that matter, uh, since that is really the first proof of concept, uh, how that started to have impact on things like data centers and the environment, it's growing faster than uh, than ever could be imagined. And those problem sets are requiring a lot more CPU slash GPU to process.
3: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, But then some some people try to say that, oh, uh, what is it that the the Bitcoin network uses more power than multiple countries or something along those lines to engage in the proof of work based mining? Um, But then there's different blockchain companies out there coming out with different models and include proof of stake uh, that doesn't use as much power. Uh, But then there's different disputes surrounding the different kinds of blockchain-based models and how you want to mine these transactions.
0: Well, and I think that in itself is a testament to the fact that we've been through version 1.0 at this point and are getting to the point where, we've almost outgrown that first proof of concept and we're starting to tackle some of those problems, uh, power, heat, and cooling. Uh, the fact that, yeah, the, uh, Bitcoin by itself, if it just continued the way that it is, uh, could probably, you know, melt the, uh, melt all the ice on earth, uh, type of problems. Um, you know, that might be a bit extreme, but.
1: Well, and I, and also wonder, you know, when we think about, Different regulatory concerns. I my guess is is the environmental impact is probably low on that list because it seems like we're just trying to figure out how to best use this and how to have the best application of this technology. And certainly in the United States, it, it sounds like from your work in in Liechtenstein that, that that's certainly more more advanced than what we're, we're able to apply in the U.S. But when, when you've been working through the, your business and 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 working with clients, what are some of the the first steps that that you've taken in Liechtenstein to to make blockchain to make cryptocurrency something that can actually be applied in a practical a practical way?
2: I mean, what we did is uh, when we had the first uh, first requests in Liechtenstein. Uh, we analyzed the legal framework and um, just like advised what uh, what they have to do with which requirements they have to fulfill um, to run their project out of Liechtenstein. And what we did is uh, at the first place, we contacted the government uh, and our financial market authority, our regulator, uh, to discuss um, the way of like how these projects could be done out of Liechtenstein. And this was, I I think it was, it was very good to involve um, the regulator and the government from the beginning uh, that they know that this is like, there's a new thing happening, uh, not only out of Liechtenstein and uh, they, they realized and were like involved from, from the first ever uh, project in Liechtenstein. And uh, like this led to um, a lot of discussions with them and uh, they soon realized that uh, it might be good to analyze the framework if some amendment is needed uh, to really not only make the back then the projects possible, but our government realized that um, this will lead, or this has the potential that the financial market uh, will use this technology and base a lot of their services on uh, on the on the, this technology itself. So um, our financial, our government realized that um, they should provide the legal framework for this token economy, if you want to call it that way.
0: And that's that's really interesting because that is very different how. Uh, folks have been going to market here in the United States with anything from Uber to Airbnb to you name it. It's been a bit more of a ask for forgiveness versus ask for permission type economy. Uh, Bitcoin is definitely one of those and has found itself uh, in some challenges as of late. And I think, uh, Melinda, to your point, I think that's why over here specifically, no one's even thinking about the the environmental aspects of it, let alone the economic or regulatory. Um, you know, I think it's sort of um, Bitcoin versus the bank. And because folks haven't really asked for permission, now we're in a debate that uh, that's a different type of debate than it sounds like.
3: Um, well, I think it's go. interesting that you brought up um, the banks too because that's one thing that we talk about a lot. With the regulatory framework here in Liechtenstein is because you're trying to move from this traditionally centralized world to a world where there's these decentralized systems, and these traditionally centralized intermediaries are subject to pre existing regulation. So, how do you bridge the gap between um, centralization and decentralization? But I know that that's one thing that Thomas talks about a lot with uh, the aim of the Liechtenstein Blockchain Act is, hey, we have these centralized and regulated intermediaries that can fulfill different roles within this token economy. So I I think it's really interesting to see how everything is developing here in that respect as well.
1: It it is, and it's almost as if, you know, we look at the progress that you've made, we, I say, you know, the United States and say, well, how can we start to learn from the progress that you've made to, to make more inroads? And every major company today has a blockchain working group or, you know, some kind of significant thought leadership around it, it's clear that it needs to be thought about and that serious thought around how to apply it needs to happen. But it's almost as if there's just so much in in the way of the unknown in terms of, well, how can it actually, actually work? How can it work in terms of the structure that we have today? Uh, I saw something recently that you know, p- crypto supporters are are encouraged from things like uh, AT and T said it would start to permit customers to pay bills with Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash, and then Fidelity Investments was was trying to finalize some plans to to buy and sell for their institutional customers. So it's it's starting, but it it seems certainly to to be kind of a, a slow slog with it. So, I mean, when you look at some of the major trends that are happening, what are, what are the big things that you would say, hey, we need to pay attention to, to this to really help advance the application of blockchain technology, of, of cryptocurrency usage?
2: I think that one piece or one missing piece is a proper regulation because a lot of big companies uh, and especially financial intermediaries uh, they do care for good reason uh, about regulation and if you don't give them legal certainty they not they will not uh, like build up their systems based on that Uh, And I think that's just one uh, like big missing piece at the moment. And when you don't, I mean, you don't have to have a specific blockchain act or whatever you might call it. Uh, What you need is legal certainty. Uh, because it 's one thing for a startup just to to in a disruptive way start a new business and 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 uh, do that um, and and really I mean in the beginning, um, there is little uncertainty, and in the end uh, yes they, they might fix it, but it's a completely different story if you want to have the big players or the big financial intermediaries uh, building their uh, services uh, upon such a new uh, development. And I think that's why uh, that's one, but that's not the only, but that's one big thing uh, we have to solve. And the other is, uh, and it's somehow related to that, I mean, we we will not see mass adoption as long as um, the the usage of of, uh, this technology is somehow complicated, because that's what we tell everybody before you begin in that area, educate yourself or just get informed, because it starts with the simplest thing. I mean, key handling in the beginning is just, you have to understand that. You have to understand how you store keys, how you transact. And um, there is, I mean, that's complicated. And financial intermediaries could like provide amazing and amazingly easy services uh, for, for for customers. And then we will see mass adoption. Um, and, I, and I always say, I mean, as long as we try to promote things because it is based on blockchain, uh, we are doing it in the wrong way. Uh, We have to promote things in a way that this is the best because it is much more efficient, it's faster, it's easier to use, it's more beautiful to use or whatever. But not, I mean, don't use it because it's just based on blockchain.
1: Yes, with you 100%. That's something we talk about every time we we discuss a new technology on, on this podcast, we, you know, Brian and I love new technology. It's, it's fascinating. It's interesting, but it really only matters if it solves a problem, if it helps people in some way. So yes, it has to be based in what is the problem that it's solving? Why is it helping us? And that's great that there's this cool, cool new technology and everyone wants to get on the bandwagon and have it in their commercial. Well, big deal if it doesn't do anything. So yes, uh, point very well taken.
0: And, and I will say to, to that note, right. If you think about sort of being a major, you know, 10 billion plus dollar company in the market, it's proven time and time again, that the, you know, the, uh, the companies that have been regulated against are typically late to move into the market because they want other people to test the market. Prime example, Marriott International just now getting into house sharing. They did that because, well, they had a huge market and they didn't really have to get into it. Once Airbnb has sort of beat down some of the regulatory path uh, for them, so to speak, and now they're starting to come to parity, uh, now it makes sense. Well, I think the same thing is going to happen for someone like a Jamie Dimon, uh, CEO of JPMorgan Chase to say, Hey, this is, this is great. Uh, we're going to start doing this, uh, but they're not going to do that until the friction is in their favor.
1: Well, and, and when it comes to cryptocurrencies, when we say cryptocurrency, obviously there, there are many, many flavors, if you will, to, to this. Can you help us understand when we say, okay, cryptocurrency, there are lots of types of cryptocurrency. We talked about Bitcoin already, What does that look like? What are some of the options out there? What are the similarities, differences just to to help us understand that landscape?
3: Well, um, as you said, there's definitely a bunch of different types out there as we discussed and touched on a little bit earlier. You have different kinds of mining protocols um, being proof of work versus proof of stake. Then you have um, pure Bitcoin, which was the first. Then you have forks off of Bitcoin, including Bitcoin cash. And then um, you have Ethereum, which tends to be one of the big ones that people like to talk about. But then I guess the main innovation between um, Bitcoin versus Ethereum is that Ethereum provides a whole entire smart contracting platform. And then you can use Ether tokens as cash, I mean, as gas on this platform So to execute these different smart contracts. So there, there's a whole world out of there. I, I, I know I actually had some people go, oh, well, I want to invest in crypto. What kind of crypto do I invest in? And I go, well, maybe just try to diversify upon the different kinds that are out there because there's just so many different things. But then I, I go, I'm not providing any kind of investment advice anyway. So, um, but there's just so many different things out there. And uh, it's it's really hard to encapsulate the differences out there. So, But then I I think that the main one that people tend to talk about and the the biggest innovation in a lot of ways was Ethereum.
0: That's awesome. And can I just say that I love the fact that we're talking to two attorneys at law uh, that are... Well in the know with blockchain. And if we have blockchain problems and questions, uh, we will definitely be calling you not to give you a plug, but um, this is refreshing.
1: It's an earned plug. <laughs> so it's, yeah, no, this is this is fantastic. And and so this idea of smart contracts. So this is this is interesting. Can you explain a little bit about what a, a smart contract is and how that could potentially be used? Well, I'll tell you, we actually created the Negley, um token
3: one day here at work. We created the um, Nigale smart contract and created our um, own Nigale token on the Ethereum network. And then another day we did a workshop with Eternity, which is the blockchain company that's upstairs and they have a different um, smart contract coding language. But what these smart contracts present is an innovation where you can have self-executing transactions. So as long as you have some sort of readable uh, entry, such as a wallet address or something along those lines, you can automatically execute these transactions. So uh, you could have one event trigger another. So once I pay you uh, for this phone, then this triggers another event that does this. So it's, it's a really neat innovation. But then I know, like you guys said, we're attorneys working in this space. And a lot of people go, well, doesn't that take away from the job of attorneys, if you can have these contracts that kind of execute themselves? Uh, but we, we think it's, it's a good innovation and in that um, it adds for ease of transactions in a lot of ways.
2: Let me just add one thing. Uh, I have to disappoint you a little bit because it was not published on the main net. It was published just on the test net. So the Negli token is not available to the public. Uh, but uh, yes, I, I totally agree. I think that it, it's crucial for lawyers to understand this uh, new way uh of writing uh, code and these these new opportunities we see in, in that end, and I think like a lot of uh, contracts uh, anyway, which are highly standardised and uh, like help uh, like provide a lot of transactions and um, a lot of like calculations has to be done. This can be automated perfectly in a smart contract and. I mean, our perspective on that is that I think it makes a lot more sense as a, as an attorney or as a lawyer um, to focus on really the, the crucial questions and the uh, the problems which are challenging to solve, and not to write the same contract based on the templates you have used a thousand times. So we are quite happy if we if we don't have to do rental agreements anymore. And this is like this is is easier possible with a smart contract. I know this is not the best example, uh, but it is an example which everybody understands. If you have, for example, a, a smart home and um, you will write a smart rental agreement and uh, the smart home has an electronic lock or a smart lock, and then the, the, the smart contract will control the smart lock. In Liechtenstein, for example, there are mandatory laws which prohibit that, but um, yes, this the development will go in that direction, I think.
0: So, Being an AI and machine learning guy, uh, that's music to my ears because that really gets towards the let's not do repeatable tasks because that just doesn't make sense anymore. And one of the things that, you know, I didn't coin it, but uh, human intelligence, right? A lot of people are worried about artificial intelligence displacing the workforce. Well, much like you just said, it's really about rehoning the workforce to be thinking about places of opportunity where we can think about the harder problem and that's exactly that's exactly this right writing contracts uh, again and again probably doesn't make sense if you could write an algorithm that basically has a bunch of rules and gates uh, that unlock uh, you know the next level so to speak Uh, in that contract or claw back or lock off something if uh, the contract is not met for that matter. So I think that's a great concept.
1: Well, and it's also the whole trend of, well, let's disrupt ourselves before we're disrupted. If we see a better way of solving a fundamental challenge that we see in our industry with our clients, let's tackle it and solve it. And then you're... By virtue of that, elevating your practice, elevating the industry and, and leading the charge. So when that happens, there, there'll never be a, a lack of, of work or, or new, uh, new types of jobs to do for sure.
2: Yes, I think that's anyway, that's even with uh, this uh, development of, of um, blockchain and uh, people are afraid that even uh, blockchain is disrupting the financial industry and they will lose their jobs. I think in the end, um, especially in Lichtenstein, it created more jobs than it, uh, it costs. So, yeah, but I, I totally agree. You have to be sure at the forefront, you have to, uh, you have to, uh, uh, like... just accept the fact that this will happen. And that's why I was so... It was really good to hear from our government that they uh, did understand the, uh, the opportunities and challenges, um, because this will bring a lot of challenges to to the financial centers of this planet. And I think uh, that's why it's good that our uh, our government realized uh, it and just to, like with regulation enables this uh, and and helps this token economy uh, to to happen not only outside but also inside Liechtenstein and out of Liechtenstein.
0: And Yeah, and one of the things that I would say to that as well is that it's it would be very assumptive to think that every attorney or every expert in this space plus developers is going to come up with the perfect algorithm from a contractual perspective. We don't have – I think we're in version 1.0 of automating things, whether it be blockchain or what have you uh, – there's going to be a lot of cases where there is bias, where there is problematic AI, uh, etc. And that's going to cause a problem where um, I think the problems are going to get a lot more difficult to um, basically mitigate and and talk through. So I think things like especially your field, uh, it's going to become even much more relevant as we move forward because we're going to create all kinds of new problems that open up all kinds of new liabilities potentially that we don't even know about today
2: that that was actually one of the reasons why i uh, wanted to become an attorney because i had a a quite good running business and i was an entrepreneur but i said like at at the specific period of time i said that's just i mean it's it bores me somehow because uh, i don't have like these big challenges every day And uh, as an attorney, I mean, it's it's much more interesting to solve like these challenges uh, than to do like uh, repetitive work, as you already said. So I think, yes. uh, And I look forward to that development. I, I rather solve very complicated challenges or problems than do like easy, easy work.
3: I, don't, I, I mean, our firm confronts these new challenges on a daily basis too, because I'll be on calls all the time and either Thomas or the other partner, who's also named Thomas, um, one of the Thomases will go, wow, okay, this is new and innovative. Um, we can find a way to make it happen for you, but it's something we haven't seen yet. So there's new and exciting things happening in the regulatory
1: landscape every day. So that's a really cool aspect as well. When you're looking at some of the 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 big challenges that are coming next for you what are those and are those specific to Liechtenstein, or is it on the on the global scale or or europe as a whole what does that look like right now for you
2: i mean i think the next big step for us or the next milestone is that our parliament will decide on our blockchain act or the draft of it and hopefully this will get enacted and I think then the next big step is that um, the European Union uh, hopefully will have kind of similar legislation or regulation, or at least parts of it, because I, I strongly believe that we will need a harmonized approach, uh, because that's what actually is, is one of the big challenges uh, we face now, uh, and especially um, our, our direct neighbor, Switzerland, uh, when it comes to security token offerings, for example, because uh, we, uh, Liechtenstein is a part of the European economic area, therefore, the European Union legislation is applicable, which enables, like this allows us to passport, this sounds a little bit complicated, but this allows us to passport, uh, for example, your offerings uh, to the European Union. So, at, if if like if you want to offer um, a security token within the European Union framework, you can do that out of Liechtenstein because it's harmonized legislation. um and I think we will need that um, with, with like um, the, the, the token economy law or the blockchain law, um, because we will have to have a harmonized approach. Uh, otherwise, just, I mean, it doesn't make any sense or it, it, it does make sense for liechtenstein uh, but I mean, it really makes sense, at least if we have that harmonized approach within the European Union. So that's, I think, is the next big step.
0: And, and so that actually leads into portability. And when I look at a currency, whether it be gold or whatever, you get to the portability portion of the discussion, which is, is it genuinely portable or compatible with other currencies to sort of make that market move? And I think one of the challenges today has been things like Mt. Gok, things like all of these other um, basically... Um, markets, so to speak, uh, where you could kind of trade your money in and trade your money out and get in a, in and out of currencies. Um, I think that seems to be one of the challenges today, which is that portability. I think once that gets addressed, uh, it obviously unlocks a ton of other great portability features of cryptocurrency. Uh, but you know, can we, let's talk a little bit about, um, uh, these different market spaces, right? Because there's been a few problems there. And I think that's, that's affected. uh,
3: Well, on the note of portability, I actually think that that's one cool thing. We like to say more um, kind of tokenization instead of just crypto, because you can tokenize assets. So um, when you talk about different spending um, and different currencies, historically, you can tokenize gold, And then that allows for easy transferability of gold on these, well, the represented right to gold on these blockchain-based systems. So I think that we have this cool innovation where we can make illiquid or traditionally illiquid assets liquid through tokenization. So I think that that's that's a very neat innovation in that respect, because it's kind of clunky when you think about it. Oh, um, do I want to spend gold bars or something along those lines? Uh, When you tokenize the right to gold, then you can easily transfer it through this technology, but then at the same time still be able to redeem a right to gold. So I I think that that's one innovation within the area that, that definitely warrants some merit.
2: And I think if, if the European Union then accept, accepts it or like adopts this concept uh, of of the token container model where the token is nothing more than just a container and you can put whatever right um, uh, into that container and then it is just easily uh, transferable uh, to wherever you want. Um, I mean, from a technological point of view, we are already there, uh, but now we will need the the r- proper regulation that if you transfer a token for, from A to B and the token represents, let's say, a rights or your shareholder rights, I mean, the legal framework just has to accept or just make, uh, has like to support this and uh, that B now is the new shareholder of the company. Um, so there are a lot of regulation, I think, and that they're, depending on every jurisdiction, every jurisdiction has to analyze their framework and just amend it that this is going to be possible. And uh, I think that, that that's quite a task, I think. But um, if we get that sorted out, I think then we are really on track to the to the token economy, if you want to call it that way.
0: I like that. I think we'll start using that to start changing uh, perception and how people talk about it. Because I think blockchain here in the United States has a little bit of a ill-conceived notion at this point. And unfortunately, we spend a ton of time in the startup space. And if you're not saying that you're an AI machine learning blockchain company, it's almost like investors for a while there didn't want to talk to you. Well, now it's sort of the other way. And every time I personally hear, oh, we use blockchain technology to do X, Y, and Z, I become a little skeptical because so many folks that really didn't know what they were talking about didn't really have a good plan for that and just sort of threw the buzzword in there to get investor you know, relations going. Uh, that wasn't interesting to me. But I think we're now starting to get to the point where that's been sufficiently weeded out and now we're using blockchain for real solutions. Um, To that point, one thing that I would say is, and and I don't know how this goes, is I'm a huge decentralization fan and as this technology decentralizes, how do governments and big banks and central banks really cope with this and because they're losing control in a way, how do they a- assert some level of control so that they feel like the world's not totally changing on them?
2: That's actually a very, very good point. And um, that's what we discussed a lot of times with with the government and our financial market authority. The good thing is that we don't have a national bank in Liechtenstein. So uh, we are connected to the Swiss national bank. And so we don't have to, I mean, anyway, we don't have uh, any influence on our currency because we use the Swiss franc. Maybe that was the, the reason why it was easier for us to convince the government to just acknowledge the fact that don't regulate where technology works without regulation. And that was actually the whole goal. We said, okay, if this technology is able um, to have um, a transaction between A and B, and these A and B, they don't have to trust each other, it's a real trustless uh, transfer, then you don't need any regulation. But there are, for example, some points where you have to have regulation, where, where like, the technology is not able to provide uh, a trustless solution. So, for example, if you say, I, uh, I have a token which represents the rights to, to claim, um, let's say, a diamond. I mean, that's a physical thing. So whenever you have this connection between the digital world and the real world, you need somebody who takes this physical thing in custody or just uh, guarantees you that you will get that physical thing when you claim it. So there you need to trust this, like this link, uh, this link providers. And we have a, a defined role in the blockchain act draft, which is called physical validator. There it makes sense that you have regulation, but I I know, sure, I mean, that institutions, they they, they are afraid of losing control, but that's actually, actually, it is the other way around. I am afraid of the control institutions could get when they use this technology, how they want to use it. Because I think this whole discussion, for example, about AML and KYC, I mean, it's not, I mean, that's the easiest thing to put compliance with within every transaction before you transact. I mean, we could like, I mean, f- from a data protection perspective, for example, I mean, you can really have every information you want built in every transaction. And uh, y- you, if you want to, you can have, le- like institutions could issue their own currencies, for example, based on that technology. And this will allow them for, for just, I mean, way more uh, like getting way more control of every transaction um, that they have now so actually i'm afraid of the opposite (laughs) not not that they lose uh uh, control i mean
1: it it, it makes sense it makes sense and when you have something that that can fundamentally change how we how we do business how we transact and and the underpinnings of what has value that is a fundamental disruptor to the way that we conduct business today and and the way wealth is transferred and managed. So yes, it completely makes sense that that you have that concern.
2: Yeah, because the problem is, for example, now, uh, I mean, Alexis just pointed out uh, that yes, you will have a lot of assets which are not liquid at the moment and a lot of assets which are not easily transferable because you don't, uh, I mean, you don't, let's say if you have like a, a very big thing a physical thing i mean it's not easy to ship it uh, to the us but for example if you transfer just a token representing the ownership rights to that uh to that thing i mean that's easy to transfer but the problem is um, what you will see is that like a, a lot of these transactions which are let's say legitimate uh, without uh, like nobody realized that this relate. Uh, transaction is happening uh, afterwards uh, every every single transaction with every single uh, single thing could be recognized by every uh, uh, like institution or or government if they want to
1: in the sake of time would would love to to wrap up with a question that i think is 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 burning for for everyone around well is cryptocurrency something real, something I should be involved with and think about because of, I mean, mainly because of the volatility and value that, that we've seen over the past year or so. Uh, we saw some some great gains just in the past 24 hours with Bitcoin and, and Litecoin and as well. I mean, what would you say in terms of, you know, the stability, volatility of this space, any, any insights you have there on, on what to look out for and, and what's causing this?
2: The good thing is, as attorneys, uh, we have a very clear answer to that. We don't give any investment advice right? because we just right. uh, cannot do that. Um, my personal.
3: It's a real thing, though. I think yeah. that that was kind of funny because <laughs> um, when I first started work here, I was asking, when I was looking at the Liechtenstein Blockchain Act, I go, but it also says a right to nothing. And I go, what do you mean a right to nothing? And then Thomas goes, well, that's that's Bitcoin. You know, it's a string of numbers. So it's interesting because I think we're living in this world where people are saying, OK, well, it's lacking in the sense of physicality, but then that's why there's a need for a legal framework defines this as being a digital thing you know it's it's a real thing it's just existing wholly in the digital realm in some aspects so i i think that that in terms of is it a thing it's definitely a thing it's definitely a real thing but it's a digital thing and that's not something we're used to
2: but it's a legally defined thing it's it's not a thing in the uh, in the like in the way of uh, our law
3: Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. The physicality is lacking in the sense of property law. And then that's why you're saying, oh, well, people are confused because they go, is it a thing? Is it not a thing? It's not a thing in the sense of property law. But then that's why there's a need for legal certainty to define how it's a thing in a digital manner. So I think that's definitely an interesting point that we can't say as attorneys. So
0: well, and this feeds into really kind of the closing, right, which is let's let's just make this all data, right? And if we make it all data, the interesting part about it is the whether it be the IRS or some revenue service, they don't even really look at data as a valued asset per se. So it's easy to make transactions with data that don't necessarily have a a tangible value to them, because there's no generally accepted accounting practice for that. And so Bitcoin, blockchain, cryptocurrency, all of that sort of fall under the same piece, right? Because it's a little bit of an intangible in how we think about things today. Uh, it doesn't have an asset tag. It doesn't have, you can't go to a vault and see it. And so I think that in itself creates some challenges. Data in itself also creates those same challenges because it's not always tangible. So,
1: well, Thomas, Alexis, thank you so much for talking with us today. This has been an absolutely enlightening conversation. Really enjoyed it. So appreciate the time. And and I hope we can stay in touch on how this goes and, and how the Blockchain Act turns out and, and anything else that, that comes up in the space. It's been, been great. Sounds great. Thank you, guys.
2: Thank you. It was our pleasure.
1: Thanks so much for listening. This episode is sponsored by Uprise Partners. Uprise launches startups and evolves established companies. Check it out at www.uprisepartners.com. Please like, subscribe, and share. And we'd love to hear from you. Give us a shout if you have a great idea that you want us to include. Just email us at hello at datamyths.com. Catch you next time.